I think the biggest pro is just you can train and study at the same time, which is really, really difficult at many places. And I feel like coming from Austria, knowing that swimming is not the most popular sport, no, not the sport where most of the money is involved, I always have to do the education part while I'm swimming. And that's just something which is very, very well known to work out in the US. I feel like recently more and more people starting to realize that's something you can do in the UK as well in a different mm -hmm. format. But definitely for an undergrad, I feel the most attractive place you can go for that is in the US. Welcome to the Propulsion Swimming Podcast, where we aim to give swimming the coverage and publicity it deserves. Every week, we celebrate the sport we love with amazing special guests and topics from around the swimming pool. And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Dan. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. I'm your host Scott and back with me as always is my good friend and co-host Dan. Now before we get into this week's show, I just want to address a topic that we've not really brought up yet on this podcast and that is that we have now passed a massive marker on YouTube subscribers and that is 10,000. And in fact the channel has now sailed well past that part. Yeah, no, honestly, it's amazing to see so many people being part of the journey that we're on. And thank you very much to everyone that is following us. There are so many more things in the pipeline, too. The podcast will always be a weekly occurrence. Uh, we've got tutorials coming back very shortly and maybe even a little merchandise as well. So stay tuned, everyone. Yes. Um, but anyway, on to this week's show. And this week we are covering our usual all things British swimming, but we're not with a British guest. That's true. Yeah, we've spoken many times on our podcast and our YouTube channel as well that male freestyle swimming, especially the longer distances, is going through a bit of a golden generation. And for this episode, we're very lucky to be joined by one of those swimmers. Really excited to talk about our guest today and what it's, being, what it's like being part of this very special era. Yes. So, I mean, it is in the podcast description and title, but I'd love to know <laughs> who's guest our guest at this point of the intro. Hopefully it's slightly obvious to all that we are speaking with Loughborough-based world short course champion and three-time Olympic finalist, Felix Ulbach. Felix, thank you for joining us on this week's show. How are things with you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be on it. And yeah, finally we'll meet. Yeah, I know. You've listened to a few um, episodes, which is it's kind of really cool to know that someone at the level that you've got to actually listens to the show we produce um it's it's flattering now before we went live you told us a little bit about an injury you're currently suffering you've you spent two weeks out of the water with a little bit of a freak accident yeah i was i was a little bit uncareful while i was boiling water and probably didn't close the lid of my kettle and um yeah when i poured it it all went on my foot the lid opened so I have a second degree, degree burn on my foot. I haven't been swimming for two weeks, but it's healing really well. And I'm really taking care of here at Loughborough Sport, uh, seeing a good doctor with my physio. The coaches are taking care of me. I'm doing dryland. Um, probably the best time it could happen in, in mm. this season. But yeah, just trying to take advantage of the situation and getting stuff done where I'm not that good at so far. But yeah, I should be back in the water on Thursday. Oh, it sounds horrible. It sounds so painful. Do you have a? You say, but you're back on Thursday. You said beforehand that you're getting very impatient. So what? What are you doing with your time then? Um. So a bunch of different things. On the one side, I have been 
cycling, um, no shoes though. So on the spinning bike, on the or on the watt bike, and then doing a lot of core sessions. And actually, I still have been um, to the pool every single day twice, probably. Um, <laughs> just, <because, laughs> just can't get enough. <laughs> I, 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 I told my coach Andy, I still want to stay like in the rhythm and just not have like this two week off period now. Um, just staying, having the mindset that I'm still like around doing the course just there, doing my spin there and all that stuff and being around and not just like being apart for two weeks all of a sudden. So, so I hope when I get back in a Thursday, that makes it a little bit more smooth. Yeah. Getting to know a few of the new faces as well that have arrived, because I know there's, there's a few that have come over from America to, uh, to join the squad that you've got over in Loughborough. Yeah. We, uh, this year has been quite different. Uh, actually, I feel like every year is different because you have every year. <laughs> coming in which makes it always very interesting and not boring because you have this time frame of like september october where everybody gets to know each other and yeah you start training with a new group every year as it was in the us as well very similar and mm -hmm. especially i feel like what's cool is our distance group is growing here quite a lot with mm -hmm. yes you mentioned there are some people from the us us coming in but um i feel like there's also like a lot of british talent in the distance events mm -hmm. um, joining us with Hector swimming with us now, um, Fleur is swimming with us. So yeah, really good swimmers and local swimmers as well. So it's not just fully international. Yeah, it's a really special squad that's um, growing down in Loughborough with Andy Manley behind the scenes. Now we're going to get into all things Loughborough swimming and of course your own racing. But I want to start off with your time at Michigan, because before you went to Loughborough University, you went to what is probably one of the most prestigious swimming schools over in America, thanks to, obviously, Michael Phelps trained there, Bob Bowman was coached there. How did that university help shape the start of your professional career? Um, first of all, it's probably like interesting that as long as you're in the NCAA, you always call yourself like amateur, you're not supposed to be a professional. Uh, okay. Um, so that's um, because I, I feel like it comes from like all the other sports in basketball, football, you're supposed to be an amateur, you compete for university and when you get drafted, you, you're a professional. Mm -hmm. So that's seen very similar in the NCAA with swimming. A lot of it has changed at this point. So now I feel like you are able to get sponsorship contracts. But at yeah, the there's time, payments now, isn't there? Mm -hmm. uh, there was nothing like that. So, uh, yeah. Talking about it, thinking about it, I think when I was in high school, I was all, I always wanted to swim in the U.S. I always wanted to swim in the collegiate system. My mom already did it, and uh, it was just a great opportunity for me because I have so many training partners, um, so many people, famous people, faster people in all different kinds of stroke. And I think the biggest pro is just you can train and study at the same time, which is really, really difficult at many places. And I feel like coming from Austria, knowing that swimming is not the most popular sport, no, not the sport where most of the money is involved, I always have to do the education part while I'm swimming. And that's just something which is very, very well known to work out in the US. I feel like recently more and more people starting to realize that's something you can do in the UK as well in a different mm -hmm. format. But definitely for an undergrad, I feel the most attractive place you can go for that is in the U.S. And yeah, when I had the opportunity to go to Michigan, it was it was very simple. I mean, I was always like, 
I mean, all of us probably remember the 2008 Olympics, Michael Phelps, and like everybody was like, oh, who's where? Where is he swimming? And he swam at Michigan. But one of the big um, aspects for me was going to Michigan. That I feel like like 20 or 30 years there was always someone in the distance freestyle events mm. on the u.s olympic team who swam at michigan so it was peter van der Kade, it was a connor jaeger so there's so many different swimmers who have been on that team um which tom dolan which made it like super interesting for me just trying to be part of the tradition as well and playing my little part of it so is there anything you specifically picked up from out in the US that you've probably held to good stead that you now pass on to others or you still do in your career? Oh, there are so many things. Um, it's hard to think of something specific, but I do believe uh, this enjoyment for racing, um, mm -hmm. which I, mm -hmm. I, I love training, but racing is always a little bit harder for me, which, um, yeah, people are so excited there. People are excited to race each other on a weekly basis. And I think that's something... What was definitely not easy, but I start start try to learn it and try to get better at it. And what what was very big at Michigan, but I think it's probably very big in most of those collegiate teams. It's just the team atmosphere, and mm -hmm. starting to realize that it, it's not always easy, especially when you come from Europe, where it's always very individual driven. You need to swim for your own results, and then you get thrown into this team, and suddenly it's you swim for each other, and that's that's definitely challenging because you are 18 years old you have swum probably like 10 years of your life where it's pretty much all about yourself and then within a couple of days it's suddenly you are supposed to swim for other people but you learn a lot um in that phase i one of my biggest takeaways is probably just like being willing to offer help if someone needs help or just mm -hmm. giving advice in a sense even when people are not asking just to put it out there because it's all often hard to ask for specific things when you're new on the team and all that stuff. So I try to, to incorporate it as good as I can, but that's definitely something I looked up to in Michigan as well when I was new and a lot of older swimmers offered help and with like daily things or small stuff, um, which I was really appreciative. And I do mm. believe that's something what can help new people a lot when they come in. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting you talk about kind of it helps you race quite a lot over in America. We've spoken to a few swimmers who are over there right now, Alicia Wilson being one of them. I'm, I'm interested to know how tough it is to race week in, week out at dual meets, given that you're a distance swimmer. Was that quite hard on the body, especially with the training that you're going through? Yes. Um, I feel like the good thing about it was that the training is different as well. So the training was more like race based as well. So it was not, oh, okay. so you kind of have to see it as like, this is another training session on a very, very high level um, when you get mm -hmm. to the school meets. But I do believe it was a little bit too much racing for me at the time. Um, mm -hmm. I do appreciate um, in that kind of season planning I'm in right now with a lot of training, but picking certain meets and actually um, having fewer meets, but maybe trying to have them on a higher level um i do i do like that but yeah that's individualized i mean we have to understand that for us europeans it's probably different but they grow up that way they don't really know any different way yeah how they're doing it so yeah. um i they did, definitely did not struggle that much with those back-to-back -back meets and hard training as much as i did mm. 
Yeah, because you need the, the big training blocks as a distance swimmer. And of course, if you're racing every week or weekends, then you don't get that chance to fit those blocks in. For a sprinter, I imagine it's okay because you're, you're staying sharp and stuff like that. But then as a distance swimmer, it must be more difficult, I would say. But if you were to have it your own way, how often would you want to race? Would you want to race, let's say, every other weekend, ideally? I actually, like, I don't know. I do, for, for example, for, it depends uh, what part of the season you're in for me a lot. Because I feel like now in this okay. poker season, um, I don't think I need to race that much. Like we're in the beginning of the season, I want to do long blocks of a lot of aerobic work, high meters. That um, mm. would be my personal choice. And then racing should probably get a little bit more intense into the second part of the year, of, of, of next year, first part of the next year, when we go towards like April, May, June, when we do more race-specific mm. stuff and then put more races in there. But I feel like uh, for this point now, for this season, we have planned. I feel, we're doing bucks, we're doing short course meet. We'll probably have like two or three short course meets um, in this year left, and then I, I assume it will be a lot more long course meets um, when we go to the second part of the season. Mm. Uh, yeah. So you were at this this incredible university that's steeped in this distance freestyle history. Um, why then did you make the decision to move to Loughborough? What was the attractive prospects about that? And kind of, I'm really interested in how much was the education aspect part of that? Yeah, I, it was quite a unique situation. I believe the entire world was in, in the time I made that decision because it was of the end of uh, March, 2020 when okay, uh, that time, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, that time, yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows probably what I'm talking about, but I finished up my undergrad. It was in mm. May of 2020, and there are just a couple factors which kind of came together. First of all, I graduated. Um, this meant my student visa expired. Um, second, there was uh. a travel so uh, once I was home, I was not able to come back until I believe it, the travel ban almost lasted for like I think 16 months. So mm. um, if I would not have had a visa. I could not get, come back to the U.S. and the Olympics were postponed. And yeah. I was looking. It's quite. A, I, it's it's quite funny because I thought the Olympics were gonna be my last meet um, of twenty when they were in twenty twenty. I thought I mm -hmm. uh, um, I swam at Michigan. I got my degree. I went. I would go to my second Olympics and then probably start something new in my life. And the Olympics were postponed and I was wondering what should I do next and I need a place to train. I can't stay in the, in the US anymore. I need another place. And I, I, I did find out about Loughborough. Um, I contacted Ian, um, which was pretty good because when I contacted Ian, I was not aware of it, but Ian used to swim at Michigan as well um, in, in, the pro, in the pro team. It's meant to be. Yeah. And then, it's, a, it's a sign. It's a sign. Which made the contact easy and I had, I, I've ne I'd never been to Loughborough before and um, it all sounded very good when I talked to him and I had no other plan so my, uh, I, I gave it a shot and I always wanted to keep studying after my undergrad, I always wanted to do a master's which was mm -hmm. possible here so I arrived here in August 2020 and yeah since then I'm here and I'm actually it has been so much better and what I've been able to achieve and what has been provided for me and the support that I've been getting here is like mm -hmm. so much better than whatever thought would come and very glad I made the choice back then. 
What are you studying your master's in out of interest? Yeah, so I, f- I finished my master's um, that was international financial okay. and political relations. And I'm still studying now. I'm continuing on with a PhD in international relations. So I just started that um, okay. this week. The new like, yeah, first year started. So I will still here be for a while. Oh, wow. Much smarter than me and Dan, then. <laughs> <laughs> Much smarter than me. Oh. I mean, I hope it is, but um, it's a little bit overwhelming at the beginning because they throw so much at you what you have to do. So it's just at the beginning of a big project, but I'm doing it part-time and very, very supportive academic mm. stuff as well with my swimming. Yeah, we've heard Loughborough is very supportive of, of athletes in general, but as you're an international student, what's it like being being an international student? It's it's actually, uh, I've been, since I was in the US already as an international student, I don't think much has changed in that perspective that I'm not from this country I'm studying in, which I feel like it is a big challenge, especially with not having English as your first language. That was something I mm-hmm. struggled with quite a lot when I came to the US when I, uh, for my undergrad. And you just probably have to, you're at, it's it's an, a time you adapt for probably one or two semesters until you're really able um, to perform probably at your best academically as well. Because you come in and you speak English, but then when they throw you into academic English and it's, it's a totally different story than communicating in English. So that definitely was a challenge. Which I pro- which I luckily already had done before I came to Loughborough, but I think it's very easy, especially as a swimmer, being at Loughborough. We have so many international swimmers, so many international student athletes in other sports, that um, it's it's very common to be a high level international athlete here. What is very very nice. Yeah, it's just like, a, it's essentially, it's like professional squads, isn't it? All the way through that whole university, whatever sport you do, they look after everyone really well. And obviously, it's a university, so study does come first. Um, I think it's really interesting to hear that after Tokyo, you were kind of thinking about retiring, and you've always got this plan in the back of your head of life after swimming. How important is it that swimmers who are going into these university setups do really look after their themselves and prepare for life after the sport? Yeah, I think it's unbelievably uh, important because first of all, swimming, very few people can make a living out of it after, after the time as an athlete. And I feel like many of us are not, not that should be the only reason why we should um, put some focus on our career after swimming. I think there are a lot of smart swimmers out there. A lot of people who can achieve a lot of great things and carry that experience they've gained through competing, through being under pressure, through stress into a working environment and really be successful there. So I think that swimming is like a huge advantage to have once you enter the working Mm -hmm. course. Uh, And Mm -hmm. that can help so many of us once they make the right step and when they take care of it while they're swimming, that they're really set up once their work life starts. Do you reckon there should be some sort of pathway? Because, of course, it's as an elite swimmer, it's very regimented from morning and evening, then gym in the middle somewhere, and then suddenly if you retire, then it suddenly ends up being nothing. Do you reckon there should be a sort of an easing off period for, for these swimmers when they retire? I think it's quite rough because, um, I mean, swimming is all what we have known our lives for like it's mm. a very, very long time, and it is weird for us not, not to get up early in the morning, uh, 
already for a couple of days in the summer when we have off or when we were injured or whatever. So I, I do think that the, the stress you probably have to go through or if it happens should not be underestimated and well prepared because it's, it's a big step um, making that decision, I think, one day to retire. Mm, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Should we talk about a little bit of life in the pool then? We've talked a lot about life out the pool. The Andy Manley squad in Loughborough, you said it's growing. The dynamic is, well as far as we've heard, pretty incredible, especially with the distance program there. How exciting is it to be part of that setup and be welcomed in by Brits as well as international athletes? It's It's been quite amazing how much it has changed since I came here. I remember my first year, I believe we were four distance swimmers and that's pretty much it. And uh, our four boys and two girls. And I mean, the first year was very, very weird year with all the COVID lockdowns and then not everybody being able to swim. So, but then the second year was already the group was growing a lot. And then this year, I believe we actually have like 10, 12 swimmers who are all fully distance freestylers in one group, um, girls and boys, which is great because especially those long hard sets doing them alone or doing them in a group of two to three swimmers can be quite challenging. But when you have like a full squad of like 12 swimmers going after a set, I think that's, that's very, very special and uh, great to have that environment. And what I also really like is we have all different kind of age ranges in there. So with people coming in who are 18 and I believe I'm the oldest one. No, Toby, Toby Robinson is the oldest one in our distance group. Um, really? yeah, so it's, it's quite, it's cool to have like an age range of like probably seven or eight years in our group. Um, it's kind of unheard of and, at the professional level, really, <laughs> or at, at the university level, it's kind of unheard of because you're all usually around 18 to 21, <laughs> aren't you? That at Loughborough, you don't have to be an undergraduate student to mm. swim. You can be a master's student. You could have studied here. So um, as long as you study or as long as you have been to Loughborough, you're able to do it, which is pretty cool. And regardless of age, you're all doing the same distance program as well? Yeah, so there we, we have some different sets probably later on in the year. Uh, for right now, I believe everybody's doing pretty much the same, what I've been seeing. <laughs> I wasn't really part of it so far. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we still have a difference of like, I'm more of like a 200, 400, 800 guy. So there, there will be, I will be swimming a little bit less, but I will do more kind of race specific stuff towards 200 and 400 um, faster stuff. And then we have guys like Asterius or Toby or Alice who are doing, or Hector who are in the open water. Okay. So yeah. we cover quite a long range for mm. from 100 up to 10K in our group. And they will be training different also because their, their competition schedule is quite different than ours with when they're there, yeah. they have their meets and when we have our meets. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting that you say you're a two or a 400 meter swimmer before this podcast, when we are doing our prep, me and Dan were debating, just like, oh, what's just his best distance here? Because this summer you raced the two for the four and the eight. And at Tokyo, I think it was the four, the eight and the 15. Yeah, that's correct. What, um, <laughs> where do you think your best performances lie right now? Or yeah. is it still something you're playing with? Um, I do believe the 400 is my best, but I think I've been struggling 
the most so far really at getting 100% out of myself in the race in the 400 and performing the best way I can. And I have been doing that quite well in 200 this year. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't... 1500 to be honest i had this goal at the olympics or not the olympics but in general i wanted to swim under 15 minutes um that was a big goal of mine and at the olympics it was on the second to last day after my main events so i thought uh, that would be a good idea to swim and i I had a really good race and swam in the final so that was just like an extra kind of like a very cool experience being able to make the olympic final swimming an olympic 1500 final and that not really training or planning for that uh, specific final. But mm-hmm. I don't think the 1500 is something I will continue to do on the big stage because I think mm-hmm. if I want to be really, really going after my goals in the 400 free, that 200 free, that front end speed needs to be very, very high level. I have a very good mm-hmm. endurance aerobic base, but I need to be a little bit faster in the front. So the, the decision is made still to swim a lot, to keep the meters high, but definitely focus on the 200 and 400 in the next years. Was that a decision that you made or Andy made? Uh, kind of both, but definitely, I don't know. I'm, I'm willing to swim everything pretty much, or like wherever. <laughs> I, I, I would swim every event I could if I probably am good at it or I'm able to get go towards a medal. I don't have a choice there. I think every this or like every distance is something special in its own way. Uh, I love doing it too. Mm-hmm. I love doing the fifteen hundred. It's yeah. just different things which are asked from the swimmer pretty much. But yeah, we we do talk a lot, and we I think we have been working really well together with making decisions which uh, have been proven to be quite successful for us. Um, one quick thing mm-hmm. like about that, for example, at World Champs, the two hundred. Semi-final um, happens in the afternoon, and the next morning is the 800 free, and then the afternoon of that, the 200 free final. So that would be overlapping, and mm, we yeah. we have been making those decisions, tough decisions, knowing I would be have a good 800 race, but scratching it to have a good 200. So oh, okay. we're doing a lot of those things um, during the season when we think that will be the best thing for us. Mm. Do you look at kind of external performances as well? I'm thinking kind of the depth in the 15 and the 800 meters freestyle now is absolutely bonkers. Given Pouchinari, Romanchuk, Welbrook, do you take that into consideration or is it very much focus on yourself, focus on your own schedule? What works for you? Oh, definitely. What is quite challenging is that at all big major international meets, the schedule is a little bit different. So you don't mm. have the same lineup with events. And what is what plays a big role for us for Andy and me is when there are when there is the eight hundred and the fifteen hundred at those big international meets, you have to do it twice. And yeah. that that I think I'm a very good fifteen hundred swimmer, but swimming around fourteen fifty one in prelims and then having to drop like ten, fifteen seconds in finals the next day is definitely something where I'm not there yet. And I think that even goes further that you're not just being a 1500 swimmer to be successful at doing that. You have to be someone who does 1500 twice in two days, mm. the highest level you can mm. imagine. And that's, that's not the person or the swimmer I am. I think I am, but taking that advantage of being a good 1500 swimmer, I think 
having the 400 twice on the first day, having the 200 twice on the second day of the competition and the 200 final on the third day, I think it really helps me a lot having that great aerobic base going through those first three days of a big meet. Yeah, the 400 free is a very difficult sort of event, I think, because I consider 200 as quite a strong sort of sprint almost, almost like a long sprint, and then you get the 800, which really is then distance, but then 400 is like right bang in the middle. Would you consider it the more the more open event at the moment in terms of competitiveness? I know Elijah Winnington is a little bit sort of head and shoulders at the moment right now. Maybe Lucas Martins is getting quite good as well, but um, it seems very competitive. Is that one of the reasons why you want to target that one too? Yes, yeah, so... Um, um... They're definitely the times this year were, were incredible and so fast. They were mm. faster than they've ever mm. been since 2016, I believe. Um, mm. But in 2021 in Tokyo, the first three spots were completely different to what they were in 2022 at the World Champs. Yeah. Three different individuals mm. on the podium. The only thing that stayed the same was me. I was fourth twice. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, <laughs> Which, which I think just shows how many different people can be in a final in the, those in the 400, how many different people can be on top of the podium. But, I mean, if the times which have been swung this year, they would definitely or should be always on the podium. Mm. Uh, but maybe we'll be surprised next year again and we see everybody going 342 and even it has to be a little bit faster. I don't think there are any really limitations in the 403 because... We have been seeing the way it has been swum, the events in those last mm. years is quite different than it has ever been before. People go out very fast and are able to hold on to it. And that I think makes it very, very fast, but also very fun and interesting and challenging at the same time. And mm. it's also an event where I can bring my good endurance background with kind of like a very good 200 together. So. Uh, I like to swimming it, and I think there's just so much more in it to figure out how to do it. Yeah, it's really interesting you talk about the tactics that people swim it recently. The the Elijah Winnington way at World Champs where he took the first 200 out really strong and then almost backed off for that middle 100. Third. I think mm. the, yeah, the third 100 and then came back even stronger in the last 100. It, it looks very odd because it looks like he's getting caught up, but he's not. Yeah. Is it is that a tactic you're looking at? Um I mean definitely that's kinda of like a hard decision because on the one side you always wanna keep doing um focus on yourself and what you're good at and not suddenly mm. suddenly doing things which are not in your um which you don't like or which you think are you have to change because of someone else. But also it seems to be that's the only way to Stick with them. Um, I definitely. Mm. What what the challenging part for me is I've always been a swimmer who is very strong on the second half, so mm. definitely need to work on that front speed. But yeah, I, I I will see where the the training of this year brings me. But I'm excited about it. But I don't think there has been really like a decision made or an idea of what we will change and how we will change it. But there will definitely I think a change has to happen in a way that if I want to swim a 342, I definitely need to do something different uh, in some ways. Yeah, we're still October. Yeah. There's there's time to uh, adjust race tactics <laughs> just yet. <laughs> do you think the, um, you keep talking about 342s all over the place. That seems mental to me. Do you think the, the world record is maybe in reach within a few years? 
it's it's a fast one and it's i know dan you're not a very big fan of that world record at all <laughs> well in terms of i still think it should be thorpes that's what i think just just because the super suit pushed speedman to get there i'm not not saying i'm not a fan of speedman i just think the super suit helped him but i honestly with the the summers coming through with martins winnington felix here i think that the the 400 world record might just be in in within reach i don't know am i am i wrong in thinking that mm, i definitely think uh, oh I mean, world records can always be broken. We have seen it with so many world records who, who were broken, and everybody thought it could never be broken. So I believe it, it, it will definitely go down at some point. I don't know who it's going to be. It's hard to say, but for sure it will be broken one day. And I, I feel like what what is so interesting is when you look back in the history of the foreign freestyle, you had people in the 90s go like 344. Mm. Um, mm. I think it's Kieran Perkins. So you... Yeah. You probably thought at that time this is like completely crazy, and then now that's pretty much the time you have to swim to swim a world champs final. So Let's make a final, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say, but like, what would be in like thirty years? Does it take like three forty one to make it back? Sounds crazy, but can probably happen. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? We talk about the eight hundred free world record, and we just think that's nowhere near going to happen because that world record is mental. But again, in in a 10, 20 years time, you just think that might be the the, the standard to make the final. You just don't know, do you? So, what's seven thirty two, seven thirty four? I think it's something like that. Yeah, thirty four. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's crazy fast. <laughs> oh, Felix, it's been really fun talking to you. I've I've kind of really enjoyed speaking about the life at the pool as well, the the study side of things because that's equally as important as what happens in the pool. Um, I think a lot of people should learn about the scholarship system over in America. The fact that if you're a good swimmer, you can get a free ride through college and a very good education. Um, people should definitely look into that if they haven't already. So we usually finish our podcast with our elite guests with some quick fire questions. Do you, do you sound up for those? Yeah, sounds good. Cool. Um, so what is your favorite event in swimming? Uh, 400 freestyle. Who is your swimming idol? Uh, Michael Phelps. What is the proudest moment of your swimming career so far? Um, 400 freestyle world champs in Abu Dhabi. Nice. What is the hardest set you've ever done in training? I'm actually which bad. one? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do believe what's um, we do a lot of hundreds, um, best average, and a bunch of those is quick set. Uh, it was 25 one hundreds. We would go them on 140 with four on, one off. That was pretty brutal. Ooh. Yeah, that's a good horrible. Um, and if you've gone on a road trip, there's three spaces in the car. You can take friends, family, or celebrity. They can be dead or alive. Who would you take with you? Three people. Um, I would take my brother, uh, my girlfriend, and probably take my grandpa. Nice. A family car. Yeah. Very nice. wholesome. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, Felix, thank you so much for coming on to this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. It's been a pleasure to speak to you and best of luck getting back in the water after your yeah, freak injury. And uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Yes, thank you. 
Yeah, hopefully you heal quickly because that sounds like a horrible injury to have. But Thursday, Thursday is going to come around really fast. In fact, this episode goes live on Thursday, doesn't it? So <laughs> it does. we'll be back in the water when it goes live. Yeah. So yeah, best of luck for the season, Felix. Uh, Worlds is in the summer, isn't it? So best of luck to you. Can you see this? That was it. Oh my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's a way That's to end horrible. the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, that looks really bad. <laughs> So that just about rounds up this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, please do so on YouTube, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And me and Dan will see you in one week's time. Yeah, thank you for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you on the next one. Wow, that is bad. <laughs> You've been listening to the Propulsion Swimming Podcast with Scott and Dan. We want to thank you for joining us and invite you to subscribe to the show as well as checking out the Propulsion Swimming YouTube channel for weekly tutorials and videos to get your swimming fix. We will be back next week. Until then, we'll catch you on the next one.